Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Novata is a technology platform that's pioneering a unique approach to ESG measurement, data collection, benchmarking, and reporting in the private markets. This public benefit corporation recently closed a $21 million Series A funding round supported by the Consortium of Leading Institutions in Social Justice, Financial Data, and Private Market Advisory that helped create the platform. On today's program, I'm speaking with Lorraine Spradley-Wilson, Chief Impact Officer and Head of ESG at Novata, about why 2022 is the year to pursue more transparent ESG data measurement and reporting in the private markets. Hello, Lorraine, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be with you. Yeah, we're very excited to be speaking with you today, and we're going to jump right into the first question. You ready? Okay. Okay. So, Lorraine, how did you attract the diverse consortium of institutions that participated in the creation and Series A round funding of Novata? And tell our listeners who belongs to that consortium. Yes. Well, it was very intentional, uh, the consortium behind Novata, the way it was brought together by our management team, the fact that it includes uh, not-for-profit organizations or nonprofit organizations, uh, Ford Foundation, Omidyar, and uh, leaders in the respective fields, uh, Hamilton Lane, um, which is known um, very well in the private equity space, especially uh, with LP limited partners um, who rely on them for their, their best-in-class offerings. And then S&P Global, which is just a global leader in the data space and also specifically ESG. Um, so very intentional in terms of how that partnership was, was structured um, early on. The, uh, the team decided it'd be helpful to have a private equity general partner advisory council, a G, we call it our GPAC. And so Lindsay Goldman, Goldberg, uh, Vistria, those are some of the firms that have been uh, very involved since our very, very early days as an organization, providing feedback, beta testing the, the platform itself, and um, weighing in on Novata's uh, strategy. Um, so with that support and with the new launch of our ESG Advisory Council, where we've uh, we've brought together some experts from business, academia, ESG, with, with those different uh, groups supporting us, we're really th- thrilled with the infrastructure that we've put together at Novata. That's terrific. Now, tell our listeners a little bit more about Omidyar. I, I don't think... Uh, our audience is very familiar with them. I, in fact, I don't remember referring to Omidyar in any of the podcast programs that we've done so far. Tell us a little more about them. Sure. They're, um, they're a leading uh, nonprofit organization and funder of important work. Um, what's interesting is that they're actually one of the funders at my previous firm, Just Capital. So there's a nice okay. connection there. Uh, where they funded uh, the research at that organization, which was focused on social issues. 
and um, and similarly are, are interested in supporting the work at Novada, uh, given our mission to look at ESG metrics and bring more transparency and standardization to the private markets. That's terrific. So they they've been doing it in the public markets, and now they were they're participating in your consortium as well. That's that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Lorraine, what distinguishes the Novata technology platform from other ESG reporting frameworks? We've been very intentional in terms of how the platform is structured. Uh, as chief impact officer and, and head of ESG, my team, the methodology department, is standing up a lot of resources and has spent a lot of time thinking about the user experience within the product platform. Uh, with that in mind, uh, we've developed a lot of content to support a reporter, as we call them, someone who's disclosing this ESG information on behalf of, behalf of their company. We've we've put a lot of time into making sure we have clear labeling definitions that we're referring to different standards and frameworks. Uh, so you'll never see Lorraine Wilson's definition for a metric. Um, rather, we're referring to the work that so many people have have done um, have all the hours that they've poured into developing the SASB standards, which is now part of the Value Reporting Foundation. So that's an example. Uh, we're really lifting up the work of the industry coalition uh, called the ESG Data Convergence. So they've done a lot of work uh, at getting buy-in from the private markets to agree on a set of standardized metrics. And so you'll see that those metrics are clearly labeled within our technology platform. Um, so really the embedded guidance, uh, we also have an integrated calculator for carbon accounting uh, so that the user uh, can, with the help of technology, get a good estimate of their emissions. Uh, those are some of the distinguishing features where it's really more uh, paint by numbers, if you will, for disclosure because of the time that we've spent testing and developing these resources. Great. So that's a lot to swallow regarding the data itself, and that's great for our listeners to absorb it gradually over time. Let's talk about the methodology that you're using now. How distinct is it from other measurement systems in the private and the public markets? Right. That's a good question, Paul. So we uh, we looked at the successes and some of the detractors in the public equity space because we know there's a lot of disclosure, a lot of reporting that takes place there. And what we decided to do was, again, just highlight work that others have done, um, looking at the ESG data convergence and all of the support that they now have with over a thousand companies reporting on the six KPIs that they've selected. And so rather than create a new approach, um, we, we saw the success that they'd, they'd um, earned. And, and so uh, rather than create something new, we do have those metrics on our platform. Uh, since they're, they're available, their they're, um, you know, adoption is what they're looking for. And so we've, we've taken those metrics and they're reporting on things like the existence of an employee survey, the number of people participating in the survey, number of board members. So a lot of the wall well, of the metrics that they've put forward, uh, there is precedent for what they're asking for 
there are definitions from SASB GRI that a user could go and familiarize themselves with. And so that's an example of where we've we've taken this this work that they've led, this quantitative approach, uh, which is very helpful from a benchmarking perspective. And we've we've incorporated that on the platform. And so that is what we would call um, you know, the, the best place to start. Uh, so the, the metrics that they've selected, we've said, this is where the industry is. And, um, and what we're providing at Novata on top of that is benchmarking and analytics. And so we have those KPIs incorporated and then we have more. Um, so looking at the work that standards and framework organizations have put forward, we said, well, couldn't we also ask about water use? Now, if you're Pepsi, you have a very good understanding of your water consumption. Uh, but if you're a mid-market private company, you know, perhaps there's some education that, that um, your team would need to make sure that they're gathering this information the right way and disclosing it in a standardized uh, fashion. And so that's where Novata came in. And we said, well, we see these six KPIs from ESG data convergence. We see great adoption there. What are other uh, similar metrics that we see uh, large public companies adopting? Um, what are metrics where we see SASB um, believes that these are, these are material across different industries? Uh, where is GRI, WEF, where are they recommending that companies disclose? And that's how we came to our additional 30, which we would call more advanced metrics that look at waste and water um, that go beyond where uh, the ESG data convergence has gone on governance, on social issues. Uh, we looked at the precedent in the United States where we have the Equal Opportunity Commission uh, holding out a reporting format called your component one, which looks at workforce demographic information. And you know, with my history coming from public equity space, uh, we've seen investor groups come together and ask large public companies in the US to disclose that level of information. Now, companies with 50 or more employees are, are already sharing that report with the federal government. So there are they already have process in place to gather that. Uh, race and ethnicity information and gender information from their workforce. And so with that precedent, with that standard, regulatory standard, uh, we've borrowed that and added a nice feature on our, our platform, which helps U.S.-based companies disclose in the same fashion. So they're likely already disclosing given the size of these companies. Uh, but to be able to share that with your investors in a streamlined way, we thought was really important. That's very interesting, Lorraine, because I, I've been reading a lot uh, uh, in recent months about the expectation of some very um, experienced people in our industry who do a lot of this metrics measurement related to the what they refer to as the ESG integration maturity curve. And many of them are suggesting that that's going to happen in the private markets before it happens in the public markets. And it sounds like what you're doing now is you're taking the data and metrics and systems that have been used for years in the public markets and you're adding to them for the private markets. Is, is that accurate? Is that, is that what's going on? And, and why might this accelerate? to the private markets being the first to reach what we what people are referring to as ESG maturity. 
a great question. When we thought about our um, our client, our, our day one customer, we, we put a lot of thought into it as a team and really honed in on private equity, mid-market buyout firms. And when we thought about that user and the, in their portfolio companies, we really liked the relationship in place where there's already a strong connection between the private equity firm and the management at these mid-market private companies. We thought about the economic activity that takes place in this, this segment and, 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 you know, noted that the, the majority of the world's economic activity takes place in the private markets. And so just, you know, thinking about um, the, the segment of the market that we've decided to focus on, we just thought it was such a nice opportunity to work with them specifically on this important um, disclosure, transparency, education, and adoption work. You know, going back to our approach of being a public benefit corporation and choosing that um, at you know at our earliest stage, um, we thought that that was really important to show just how focused we are on the education, on the mission, on the stakeholder approach. So, with that, um, I just I wanted to mention how intentional. Uh, those steps were in terms of the focus of the the organization and our focus on this this segment. And you know, it's it's entirely possible that you see uh, private markets get up to speed more quickly uh, than what we've seen in in other s- segments of the marketplace. Uh, we did like the information sharing and um, a close partnership that we've you know, that's always been established in the private markets between the GPs and their portfolio companies. Um, there are some some uh, regulatory developments that we're keeping an eye on. Um, so everyone's been glued to the news, uh, looking at the SEC and um, their their conversations around climate and the disclosures that will be required for large public companies. Uh, as, as you know, uh, small. Private companies are part of the value chain of those large public companies. Any disclosure requirements for public companies will absolutely have a, a ripple effect um, throughout their supply chains. And so that's something that we're keeping an eye on um, as, as something that could really impact the, uh, the private markets. I see. So it's the supply chain companies mm-hmm. within the, the, the supply chains of, the, of those large public corporations that you are going to be supporting, supporting as they and do, providing right. The, right. your platform resources for. So that's, a, that's very interesting because my next question is really about um, trust and uh, inclusion uh, because historically, as you know, private companies are not interested in comparing or building consensus related to ESG metrics or any other information, uh, truly, much less benchmarking against their peers. The resources that you provide are providing are what's going to attract those private market companies to your platform, as I understand what you're saying, and your data management system is tailored to benefit their use of it as well. Is that correct? That's correct. It's it's an interesting tension there, um, given that at a public company, so much of their information is in, inherently public. Yes. Um, but what we've seen uh, the uh, public companies struggle with is social um, disclosures. For example, a lot of the 
uh, traditional ESG metrics that uh, look at social issues are, are still being reported in an unstructured format, uh, usually in a corporate um, social responsibility report, a CSR report, perhaps in um, in a news a press announcement or on a on a website uh, somewhere on a website. And so it's still unstructured. It's still challenging for ESG research analysts to get that information and to compare it because these are voluntary disclosures. And that's what we've seen uh, private co- public companies struggle with. For, for small private companies, you're right that data privacy is a concern. We spent a lot of time at his, as a team just making sure our policies are really strong, that our you know, authentication to access the platform is best in class, that um, the, the general partners who are the clients that are signing up for, for the technology platform today that um, that they own and control their company data, and that's very important to us. That you know, named company data is not shared, and that uh, the GP, our client, can uh, permission the data to whoever they like. Uh, so any 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 time an ESG report is completed on the site, they alone control who is able to see that level of company information. Um, and now we did get good feedback from the GPs that the benchmarking would be helpful to them. I mean, in a in a silo, it's hard to understand whether your emissions, whether your number of women on the board, uh, participation in the employee survey, whether that uh, is good or bad. So directional information is is helpful in terms of um, in w- unpacking what the uh, the results look like, and so. Um, that's something that we're providing. Uh, we um, we also have, you know, in addition to benchmarking, which we're using S and P data to um, to compare uh, public company performance versus private. Uh, we also have analytics, and so it was important to us for a general partner to be able to compare one portfolio company versus another, uh, one fund versus another. Um, so to know. Uh, how the emissions for for a, a, a fund uh, looked, but then to break that down and look at the individual companies in that fund, we thought was really meaningful information. And so uh, it's all based on feedback. We've been testing uh, both the analytics and the uh, the benchmarking with our um, with our partners and advisors. Oh, Nat, so I'm really starting to see or understand just a, a, a glimpse of, of what you have created and why you have the consortium partners that you do across the public and private markets, given all the, the value that they have been developing in their own analytics processes and sometimes, for in some cases, for generations. That's a really interesting approach, and right. and and what I'm want to ask you for our last conversation question today is, what's the expectation from your team doing the daily work at Novata and the members of your consortium around what a successful first year in 2022 will look like for the Novata platform? That's a great question and a nice one to to end on, Paul. Um, a successful year for us is um, well, we have we have a, a very strong sales and, and client service team, and and so a successful year for us 
means um, steady, steady, uh, you know, new new clients accessing the platform. Uh, it means a good experience and feedback, engaging with the different metrics, and um, and going through the reporting. And it means critical mass in terms of number of users and the analytics that we're able to stand up at the end of the day. I um, I did want to mention that we. We've committed to sharing aggregated anonymized data um, with academics, with with other parties, nonprofits. Um, The idea is to really provide a a window into the private markets um, in a way that makes all parties comfortable, um, but that shares the progress that they're making on these different uh, metrics that we've um, we've incorporated into the platform. It also means meeting our users and 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 hearing more about um, ways that we can make their lives easier. Um, one example of that is we've had some, some nice feedback over the last couple of weeks on regulation that's coming out in Europe, um, SFDR, and how it's impacting even U.S.-based private equity firms that have clients in the EU. And so this, this feedback loop has been really helpful to us in terms of standing up what we think is a best-in-class product um, and also being responsive to other areas where we might support our, our clients. Great. Well, Lorraine, this is very, very good news, I think, for the for both the private and the public markets. And we're certainly going to want to come back to you in the near future for an update. But for today, uh, where online can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners learn more about Novata? And how can they get in touch with you about the topics that we've discussed in today's program? Well, Paul, um, our website is now live, novata.com. And we have a lot of resources, again, just being a benefit corporation, a lot of resources that we've enabled on the site for users to go learn more, get educated on these different standards organizations and ESG metrics. And so I'd recommend starting on, on the site. And um, and I'm they can find me on LinkedIn and send over any questions. Uh, we obviously have an open door policy and, and we're committed to um, to moving this ESG disclosure conversation forward. Great. Well, thanks again, Lorraine Spradley Wilson, Chief Impact Officer and Head of ESG at Novata. And for our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you